This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Only 32 days on from that 5-2 win over Everton in the Premier League, the second Merseyside derby is upon us. Like in 2018, the two sides meet in the FA Cup third round at Anfield. I'm Guy Clark and welcome to Behind Enemy Lines on Blood Red as we get the inside track on Liverpool's next opponents. Coming up then, we'll find out where things went wrong for Marco, whether Ancelotti's arrived in time to give Everton's season a silver lining, as well as find out how much of a barrier Anfield has become for the Blues. Well, joining me to talk about all of that and more is the Liverpool Echoes Everton correspondent, Phil Kirkbride. Phil, how are you? Uh, not too bad, yeah. Looking forward to uh, Sunday. And in terms of where Everton's season's at, I suppose that defeat at Anfield was the nadir for Everton and I suppose even the nature of right at the early stages of the game, everything sort of seemed to go wrong and there wasn't much time left for Marco Silva after that. No, just over, well, less than 24 hours of, of, of Marco Silva remained after that defeat and um, there was an inevitable and um, undeniable sense as the game was going on, but certainly at full time, that this would probably mean the end for the Portuguese coach's reign and, and, and so it proved Um it's never easy and never acceptable or never easy to, to, to accept or swallow um, when you lose any game, particularly when you lose at Anfield. But of course, the manner of the defeat um, and the scoreline obviously really sort of focused minds at board, boardroom level um, and, and proved the, the final nail in the coffin for Marco Silva. And, you know, when we reflect on that game, it was... It was a performance, bizarrely, where you score two goals at Anfield. You know, if you'd have said we scored twice at Anfield, that's usually a positive. But it was the manner of obviously conceding five could have been could have been more, of course. And they looked a team who, a group of players who were still playing for the manager, but perhaps were confused about how they were playing um, and that soft underbelly and 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 the frailties were harrowingly uh, exposed on. Uh, on a night that uh, needs to be put right, hopefully. Yeah, and in terms of Everton and that defeat at Anfield, it saw them obviously go into the bottom three. Things have obviously changed since then, Carlo Angelotti coming in, but just talking about before that, that last meeting at Anfield, the game against Leicester, I remember speaking to our colleague Adam Jones, and that game, whilst a defeat, looked as though there were perhaps some signs there for Everton, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, the players had played fairly well at Leicester, um, sticking to a fairly um, specific plan tactically, defensively. I think, if, if, uh, memory serves again, it was three at the back, which is what Everton employed at Anfield. And because it had worked to a point and fairly well, and the players had been um, committed and disciplined to again to a point against Leicester, you know, who obviously were flying and, and are still doing very well um, at the time. I think there was enough encouragement. Uh, for Silver at the time to, to go with it again um, at Anfield, you know, and obviously this is in the context of of, of the manager at the time and still the, the current manager not having the full complement of midfield options, so having to try and rejig things to make the team a bit more solid. And so as I say, he was given enough encouragement uh, in the performance uh, at Leicester, albeit it ended in defeat, to, to go with it again. But the the sort of discipline and the and what looked like there was an understanding of playing uh, a 3-5-2 or or 4-5-1 formation at Leicester just seemed to unravel and everything seemed to, seemed to sort of come away at the seams at Anfield because Liverpool just exposed 
Everton's um, defensive line and played balls over the top. It was it was scarily sort of simplistic, but but you know undeniably effective, and and the damage was done before Everton kind of really got a grip um, on the game. But what's changed, I guess, is and what will change, I guess, on Sunday. Um, Duncan Ferguson obviously was a caretaker manager a few games. He changed the formation, and it's a formation that we expect um, Carlo Ancelotti to to employ at Anfield because it's the one he favours. Certainly defensively, he, he, he sets up with a back four uh, in, in a four-four-two system. He is uh, a huge fan of it. It is his preference. He said to me the other day that defensively, it's the best formation as far as he's concerned. So I think the idea that anybody at Anfield again will see a back three, um, I would be I'd be shocked. Yeah, big name appointment in Carlo Angelotti coming in, and you allude to it there with the defensive structure. I suppose for Everton in the early days under Angelotti, it's going to be get some structure there before perhaps beginning to experiment and get some more flair players perhaps into into the squad and, and into the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think obviously you think Sunday will be what will it be two two weeks in a day since he was appointed. So I mean, we've played four four or five games in that in that spell as well. So. Um, it, it's it's he hasn't had a great deal of time on the training grounds. He's still um, there's still some injuries, especially in midfield in that key area of the pitch, um, for him to contend with. So I don't see him in, in doing anything drastic. He said he's made little changes, and we've seen that as I mentioned in, in the starting formation and how the the team look out of possession. Um, but yeah, as I said, he hasn't been given the time, nor did he feel inclined to make too many sweeping changes because, you know, the games are coming so so thick and fast and the schedule is so packed that it would be counterproductive to be trying to reinvent things at this stage. I think I think stronger ideas and, and, and as you say, maybe trying to open up the opportunities for the attacking players in certain games or games such as this perhaps will 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 come uh, in due course when he's get, uh, got a little bit more time. So I think Ancelotti will will fall back. We all expect onto how he's fared against Liverpool recently as, as Napoli manager um, and trying to perhaps take that blueprint uh, and, and, and fit it to, to the players he has available um, for Sunday's game. Yeah, because aside from... Aston Villa beating Liverpool in the, the Carabao Cup with permitting circum- circumstances there. Angelotti is the only manager to actually have got the, the better of Liverpool so far this season in the away Champions League group game. But in terms of his appointment and the calibre of manager that has been brought in a couple of years ago, Everton were in a similar position and brought in Sam Allardyce. That didn't go down well. This one does really seem to have galvanised the club as a whole. I think that if you drew up a list of available managers um, around the world and, and specifically, you, you know, European managers with that experience and, and, and ranked them of, you know, in terms of achievements and CVs and, and, and based on who would be available, Carlo would probably come atop the list, wouldn't he? Um, and I think that it's an opportunity of a lifetime for the football club in that respect. Um it was certainly an opportunity for the owner, Farhad Mashiru, that he just felt could not be passed up. Um, and yeah, you are right. It's been a hugely popular appointment, absolutely. Um, started off with two victories. Defeat, of course, against Manchester City um, earlier in the week, New Year's Day, of course. But he's uh, it's been it's been a positive start. He, he, from what the players are saying, as you could imagine, walks into the into the changing rooms, walks onto the training pitch, and instantly has. The respect everybody is is all ears, um, trying to just soak up and take everything they can from him. It's been a 
bit frantic, as I mentioned, you know, not a great deal of, of considered time on, on, on the training pitch because of, because of the, of the schedule. Um, but the hope is it's a game changer. Um, and I think, you know, opportunity knocked and the football club needed a manager and he was available. And of course he's been paid handsomely to do the job. Um, but the hope is that his experience, proven track record, um, can be this catalyst that ultimately Farhad Mashiri has been looking for, for for three and a half years since he he arrived at Goodison. Um, it's a different project to what he had been doing previously, Real Madrid, AC Milan, Bayern Munich, you know, within reason, those fo- football clubs have resources that a lot of clubs would be, most clubs, sorry, would be hugely envious of and, and money to an extent is no object. It's not the case at Everton. Um, the challenge is different. He will be backed specifically in the summer, but not with, with abandon. There won't be a blank checkbook, you know, Everton, of course, as I'm sure some of your listeners w- would be aware of having to reduce squads and wage bills from the previous era of Akuman and Walsh, where, where money was being, being spent heavily and, and wages were being committed to. So it's different to what he's, he's done before, but obviously he's aware of that and, and, and he is, is committed to that challenge. It's probably akin to something maybe a little bit more like he did earlier in his career at Palmer. Um, and he had success in doing that, working with younger players. Um, but yeah, to, to, to sort of go back to, to your question about him and, and, and galvanising the football club, club, I'm not sure, you know, in retrospect now, I'm looking at what he's done and how well he's been received and and, and, and what he, the aura and, and, and what he carries and his stature and reputation. I'm not sure anybody else could have, could have done it to the extent he has so far. So fingers crossed, um, it carries on and, and he can build and create a team in his in his own image that, that finally brings some success. Behind Enemy Lines on the Blood Red Channel. You say he's not had much time on the training ground, obviously because of the festive football programme, but looking at Everton and Carlo Angelotti and, and the squad, often when a manager comes into a side that have perhaps gone into the bottom three as Everton had, they'll immediately bring a player who was perhaps unfavoured for one reason or another, haul him back out of the reserves, put him in the team, pin sort of the, their colours on on that player and say, right, this is the guy who's going to get us out of this trouble. But Everton, that's not really been the case. It's largely the same group of players that Angelotti's working with. And you say perhaps they can't spend as much in the summer because the way FFP works, mm. the Lukaku sale, that fall off the books at the end of the following season it does look as though he is going to have to go back, as you say, to perhaps earlier parts of his career and really working these players on the training ground. Well, I think perhaps one of the other aspects of Ancelotti's CV, as well as being known as this light-touch manager who who brings together big egos and gets them working together as a team and has success that way, and, and that is a you know no mean feat, you know, and many good managers have failed where he's had major success. Um, there is a feeling that he improves players, Um and, you know, he, he isn't just a manager of players, he's a coach of players as well. Um, and so that has to be part of the remit and it's also part of the challenge and, and something clearly he's, he's willing to, to face head on and, and wants to, wants to, uh, wants to meet. Um, so yeah, there hasn't really been that, he hasn't looked at the team from afar when he's been in negotiations with the football club and, and gone, I can't believe that player's not in the team. And as you say, dragged him back in. It's it's largely been the same group of players, you know, there's still some injuries um, issues, particularly in midfield, as I mentioned, that, that are creating a sort of having to just get on with it situation and, and patch, patch, 
pad the teams up. Um, the only thing that he's he's done is, is carry on the changes that Duncan Ferguson's caretaker uh, had made. And as I mentioned, that's playing with 4-4-2. So two, two centre-forwards, which was something that Marco Silva, um, I wouldn't say was dead set against, but was asked on a number of occasions and, and clearly didn't feel it was it was the way forward. Duncan, one of the first things he did, put Richarlison with Dominic Calvert-Lewin as, as a front two. Um, and there was, a, there was an immediate impact. It felt it was the, the reception of that formation and that, and that style of football and those tactics went down well with, with supporters. And, you know, and it just so happens that that is Carlo's preference. Um, certainly defensively, he feels it's the only way to go, as I mentioned. And of course, things change when when the team are in possession and, and, and the formation looks slightly different. But but essentially, that's that's the base and that's how he likes to work. And, and it so far has felt like a really good fit in that in that in that way, and 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 hopefully, uh, hopefully on Sunday because you know that's the way he went with Napoli, wasn't it? Four four two largely uh, in in the games. Um, hopefully, it can uh, can yield something similar. And you say playing with two strikers. Calvert Lewin has has been on somewhat of the the goal trail recently. Didn't score against Man City, but got two against Newcastle before that. And the other player who really seems to be revitalised under Angelotti was hauled off 10 minutes before half-time in the last meeting, and that was Jibril Sadibi. Sadibi, yeah. He's, um, he's, he, he, he played him as a right winger against Burnley in his first game. Um, again, perhaps um, um, needs most, perhaps maybe more out of uh, having to sort of make do than any sort of predetermined uh, perception that he should be a winger, but he obviously his, his quality and his, and his attributes are going forward um, rather than defensively. Although of course he can, he has a fullback, he has to be able to do that. But yeah, offensively, Sadibi uh, has been has been very proactive, and, and I'm sure many of you, the listeners will have seen. He you know whipped in a cross for Dominic Carvalhoon against Burnley to score the only goal of the game. He is in fact actually Everton in the, in the league. Everton's leading assist maker with four, which is quite remarkable, really, from from a player essentially playing at fullback. Um, but it's worked. Um, whether or not that is a, is a longer term solution, um, you would think not. But let's see. Um, but it seems to have, have really kind of um, got the best out of Sadibi. Now, as, you know, going back to your question, Sadibi, as you say, was one of many who struggled defensively at Anfield in December. So whether whether um, Carlo selects him from the start a fullback position uh, on Sunday um, I would say there was, would be a significant question mark over that I think Seamus Coleman is more dependable defensively um, but Sidibe offers uh, athleticism pace the ability going forward to use the ball well um, so you can certainly foresee a situation where he's in the team but perhaps more right wing than right back we'll have a quick chat about the, the derby record and where the FA Cup ranks for, for Everton to? shortly. Yeah, but before that, unfortunately we do. Just before that, in terms of covering Everton yourself this season and now looking at Angelotti coming in, having fallen into a relegation battle, now sitting in mid-table, I think five points off seventh, which could be enough for a, a European place. It's been some season for Everton, relegation, mid-table and, and perhaps even a late European charge as well. Well... It's yeah, it's 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 been a crazy few years. Managerial changes at a rate and a pace that we'd not been accustomed to. Of course, we had David Moyes for eleven seasons and stability and familiarity and 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 that steady progression. But then Farhad Mashiri comes to the football club and and he's ambitious and he's and he's 
injecting serious amounts of cash um, and hoping for a return, a return on the field and progression in European football and challenging for the challenge in the established top six, top four, etc. Of course, it has not materialised like that. But but as you say, the table is as tight as a drum outside of the top three, yeah. four, perhaps. Um, and certainly, you know, looking at the fixtures um, that Everton have got from now, um, from the start of Ancelotti's reign up until certainly around March time, you know, with with the respect of, of all those teams that, that, that are on the schedule, he would be looking at that as a, as a run of fixtures that are, are more favourable and present an opportunity um, to pick up a, a decent points um, haul, which, as you mentioned, if anybody goes on any sort of consistent run in this league, you do find yourselves really pushing into the, into the higher end of the table. And, and as you rightly say, seventh could well be good enough for European qualification. If Carlo Ancelotti takes Everton to seventh this season and we qualify for the Europa League, they'll have done a remarkable job given where the team were essentially, I say after the derby, Duncan had sort of re-injected some spirit and some fight and some organisation, if you like, into the team and got them going again. But for Ancelotti to carry that on until May and take take the team to Europe would be uh, would be a fine first first season in charge. And um, actually, ironically, would meet the criteria and the target set to Marco Silva yeah. at the start of the season, which was to improve on this previous previous finish um, of eighth uh, and therefore try and secure European football. So a long way to go, but I think he would look at the the fixes coming certainly after Sunday in the FA Cup um, as an opportunity. Um, but the FA Cup itself is important and and in the negotiations with the football club um, when he was talking about joining, it was mentioned uh, by by the board, you know, how important the FA Cup is. The weight uh, that we've had for, for a trophy and of course it being since 95 uh, since the last time we won a trophy so Sunday is well it, it is the most difficult tie we could have had um, but Carlo was obviously um, minded that there's an opportunity there as well um, to come over that first hurdle and, and theoretically then it gets easier doesn't it but uh, <laughs> but let's see um, but yeah taking it very seriously all, all eyes on the FA Cup this weekend and Look, let's see. Let's see where he, he can take the team uh, between now and May. Yeah, and he does have history in it. His, his first ever time in the FA Cup, he won Chelsea's first ever League and Cup double. Of course, winning the FA Cup in 2010. But for Everton since '95, that that wait for silverware, and then only four years later, the win at Anfield. How much of a, a mental barrier is this becoming? Well, I was thinking about this mental issue a couple of days ago, and. You know, it goes back at Anfield to 99 and a succession of managers, different squads, different players. There has to come a, a point where it's been so far into the into the past that it, it no longer can be an issue because it's so, it's been so long that, how you know, it's almost a question of, well, what's the worst that could happen? And especially, I suppose, from the late 90s, Everton almost is a different club from from where yeah, it was there yeah, financially yeah. to to now where it is. Well, and, and and the hope would be certainly going into Sunday that and look we do, we don't know this, but may, maybe on some level when when players Everton over the past um, you know since 1990, 20 years etc have have been given instructions by a manager and and the game plan and and, and X Y and Z maybe on some level as as the run has, 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 has become deeper and deeper, maybe on some level the players have just gone, maybe, well, 
he's saying this, but hasn't worked, didn't work last time, didn't work the season before. But maybe on Sunday, speaking to Carlo Ancelotti, who's had two victories, admittedly, in Italy um, against Liverpool, got a got a draw in November, if I'm right. Yep. Maybe the maybe it helps because they'll go, well, actually, he's done it. He, he knows very recently what he's talking about. He's beaten this Liverpool team on a couple of occasions, got a point, I think lost narrowly in the other game. Maybe that is, and this is what will will be the sort of turning point maybe, because if any manager knows how to beat Liverpool recently, it's him, isn't it? And now he's in charge of Everton. So it, it has to help. Um, of course, it, it comes down to the players on the pitch on the day and and how they can control Liverpool's strengths and, and 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 try and exploit their weaknesses, of course. But in terms of hatching a plan and instilling that confidence and belief in the players, there possibly is no better manager out there to do it right now. And it does feel as though after perhaps full storm after full storm for Everton that this might now be the opportunity for, for something to build for the club. Well hopefully and, and as I say, you know, if we if we manage to get a result on Sunday then, you know, theoretically the draw becomes easier, doesn't it? Um, and I mean, the momentum and the sense of, of confidence that would come from winning an FA Cup third round tie at Anfield would be huge. Um, and, and and hopefully would, would roll on and kick on into the league, the league form as well. So as, as Carlo said this morning, it's press conference. It's, it's a fantastic challenge, but I think quite rightly says so a fantastic opportunity. Um, and very much with the, well, nothing to lose in that respect and everything to gain. Well, Phil, thanks a lot for, for your time and the lowdown on the Toffees. No problem. Phil Kirkbride, the Echoes Everton correspondent here with us on Behind Enemy Lines. Don't forget, you can join us later on for all the fallout from the derby with our post-game podcast. Thanks again for your time and company here on Blood Red. And until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.